Welcome to season two of You Are Loved. It's so great to have you here. This is a podcast about connection, kindness, and belonging. My name is Liv Downing. I am a psychologist, meditation teacher, and author of the children's book, You Are Loved. This podcast is a place you can come to find your path or many paths that suit you on your pursuit to living a more connected, satisfying, and purposeful life. One where you know you belong no matter what. You can find out more about me and my work at livemindfully.com. That's L-I-V mindfully.com. And follow me on all the socials at livemindfully, L-I-V-M-I-N-D-F-U-L-L-Y. Please do like, follow and rate this podcast. Share it with your mates. My vision is a world where we all feel at home, both in ourselves and with each other. Thanks for coming on the journey with me. For this first episode of the new season, I thought I'd do something a little bit different, and that is interview myself about my favorite topic, meditation and mindfulness. So I was pondering what are some of the most common questions I get and I thought that this would be helpful for you so I have provided some answers here. So it's a bit weird having a conversation with myself but let's go. So my first question Liv is can you tell us how you came to mindfulness and meditation? Well it's a good story. I was first introduced to meditation by my beautiful mum when we were on a retreat or a camp with a group called the Ananda Magas and they are a spiritual group and it was in Byron Bay or the hinterlands in Byron Bay which is kind of the alternative part of Australia and we were there and you know singing and dancing and there was someone who woke us up every morning at 6am by playing the guitar and there was beautiful food and It was really an amazing experience. And as part of that, we were taught to meditate. But the instruction given to me was, imagine yourself sitting on top of the world and letting your mind be clear. And I thought at that point, I can't meditate. I have got a busy, busy mind. And so really at that young age, I just had made the assumption that I had a mind that was too busy to meditate. So I really actively avoided it for many years after that. Then I discovered yoga, which I also loved, but the yin side of yoga, so the slow side of yoga nearly killed me because sitting with myself and this busy, busy mind was so hard. Then at the age of 23, I experienced quite an epic episode of burnout. I was doing too many things, working in mental health, ironically, doing my thesis in psychology and you know, living out of home and everything. And I was rather epically pun- plunged into anxiety and depression. And at that time, meditation just made me more anxious. So I tried it. I discovered an ashram just outside of Melbourne in Dalesford. And I tried meditation there, but that would just, you know, the process of focusing on my breath just made me more anxious and more stressed. Because again, I was under the illusion that meditation is about clearing your mind of all thinking. I now know that's wrong. 
but obviously something was calling to me. So I did keep going back to the ashram for many, many years, you know, doing my karma yoga and I love the silence. I love the nature. I love the good food and I still go to this ashram. It is a magical place. Then around the age of 30, I was introduced to mindfulness by Dr. Craig Hassett, with whom I now work at the university, Monash University down here in Melbourne. And he ran a course through the Australian Psychological Society for psychologists. So at the time I was practicing as a therapist and it was mindfulness-based therapy. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll go along and do that. And I was expecting Craig just to give me a manual. I just wanted him to give me a list of activities and things that I could do with my clients. But unfortunately, he made us meditate and I was so annoyed and I felt like the whole thing was a waste of time. But something in me started to unlock. Something in me started to show me and specifically through the form of meditation that Craig was teaching us, which was mindfulness-based meditation, I started to get the concept that the goal of meditation is not about stopping our thoughts. It's about watching our thoughts. And in fact, what an amazing concept that we are not our thoughts. So I had that inclination that there was something deeper in here for me. So I started using the work with my clients and they found it helpful, but I did not have my own deep meditation practice. And then the age of 33 with a one-year-old baby, I got struck down with rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune condition. I couldn't walk. I couldn't change my baby's nappies. And I thought, oh my goodness, I need to do something here. Clearly I'm not living well. And that's what it took to get my attention to dive very deeply into meditation um, generally, and I guess mindfulness specifically. So I did the MBSR, which is the eight-week course designed by John Kabat-Zinn out of the University of Massachusetts. Luckily, I was living in the US at the time. So uh, mindfulness was just starting to gain traction then. So we're talking around 17 years ago now. And I completed the MBSR and something transformed with me. I found a whole new part of myself that I didn't know was there. Um, it was difficult. It was painful. At times it was epically boring, but transformative. And so pretty much since then, I have been learning and teaching everything that I could you know, discover about mindfulness and meditation because I could see the change that it had on me. I still had rheumatoid arthritis. I still manage it on a day-to-day -day basis, but this technique of mindfulness and meditation had offered me a different way to relate to myself and to my pain. Then at the age of 39, I burnt out again. Hooray, working too hard, being all things to all people, but this time it was really different. I had meditation and mindfulness in my corner. I had them in my back pocket as a tool to support me through this time. And there was this beautiful gentleness and kindness and softness that I had towards myself and my exhaustion. There was insight into why this had happened to me. There was no self-loathing or negative thinking, and there was no depression. I was just really, really tired. My adrenals had given way. So with this insight and this, this self-compassion, I was able to really deeply rest. 
I was able to consciously review my values and my boundaries. And I think at that time I, I grew up, I became an adult. I stopped living in the shadow of the expectations of my parents or the or what I perceived as the expectations of society as to who I should be and the face I should put onto the world. So it was actually at this time that I wrote the children's book, You Are Loved. And that's because I realized on a very deep level that through meditation, we can create our internal, our own internal sense of safety. We can hold ourselves and support ourselves through life's challenges. And this is what my meditation's given me. I still get anxious, just ask my husband. I still get stressed, just ask my children. And I'm still very much a flawed human trying to, you know, do the best I can. But there's something else there too. This loving awareness, gently reminding me of who I am when I often forget. And so I really wanted to share this insight with everyone and especially little kids. You know, I really think we've got to start early giving our kids as many resources as we can. The world they're growing up in is so complicated and wreaking havoc in their their mental health. And I'm just, I'm just not sure that we're equipping them with the tools that that we we could be and in my role as a therapist you know I see grown adults who've absolutely no sense of who they are apart from their neuroses or their diagnoses or their traumas and so I really want little kids to know that there's another whole part to them this this loving kind enduring part to them that's always been there And if we can teach them this early, they'll have an additional resource to support them with the inevitable ups and downs of life. So mindfulness in meditation hasn't taken away the challenges of life for me. You know, I still manage all the things, but I do it with a greater degree of wisdom and kindness. And I I don't over-identify with my pain, with my anxiety, with my diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, I realize there's another whole part of me. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this with the world. So there you go. There's a bit about my story. Okay, next question. Can you help us understand the difference between meditation and mindfulness? Yes, I can. There is a lot of confusion out there. And to be honest, I feel partially to blame. (laughs) You see, when I first started teaching meditation, we called it mindfulness because everybody found the concept of meditation scary. You know, it conjured up ideas of hippies or people with shaved heads or robes or some particular religion or a requirement to burn incense and and drink soy milk. So we really tried to, I guess, rebrand meditation and we started calling it mindfulness. But the truth is they're two related but separate things. So meditation is formal brain training. It's a formal practice or a formal set of techniques designed to improve the body and mind to support us to live more effectively. So I guess it's like the formal practice of exercise, going to the gym, doing structured activities to to improve our life in some way. Mindfulness, however, is more broad. It's more inclusive. It's 
a way of seeing and a way of being. So if we're using the metaphor of exercise, it's like being active. So it includes things like taking the stairs instead of the lift, walking instead of driving. So we cultivate mindfulness through meditation, but mindfulness is something that we infuse into all of our moments in our life. Well, at least when we remember. And so the formal definition that I like of mindfulness, which was coined by John Kabat-Zinn from the University of Massachusetts, is the awareness that arises while paying attention to the present moment in a particular way. So mindfulness is more than just paying attention. It's paying attention in a way that is kind and curious and accepting and open. And I really think that that's where the magic of this work is. It's not just the what. So attention management is great, but it's the how. How do we pay attention? How do we cultivate a relationship with ourselves, with our internal world, with our body, our mind and our heart? And kindness is a fundamental part of this work. So I hope that has clarified any confusion out there. So meditation is a formal practice. It's something we do. Mindfulness is a way of seeing and a way of being. It's who we are. It's our, our natural human capacity for paying attention, for being kind, for showing up and being present. And we can weave that into all of our moments, the way we talk to our kids, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we wash the dishes, the way we drive to work. Okay, so hopefully that's helpful. Okay, next question. What kind of different meditations are there? Well, this is a big question. I would say hundreds, if not thousands. And they all have different um, lineages, dif different traditions, um, and different benefits. It's just like the term exercise. You know, if you wanted to build your biceps, you're going to go to the gym and do bicep curls. You're probably not going to do squats. That's not going to be helpful. And so when you're working out what kind of meditation is best for you, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, well, what do I want to achieve? You know, what are my goals? What am I, I, look, what am I looking to, to change or improve or cultivate here? So I have generally, you know, created a bit of a categorization system to support uh, my students when I'm teaching meditation. And I have organized meditation into four loose categories. So I'd like you to imagine a pyramid and working from the bottom up to the top. From the bottom, we have a group that I call the body. So it's work really settling and nourishing the body. So that includes practices like breath work, uh, yoga nidra is certainly in there. Uh, the Vedic meditations or, or transcendental meditation is in there, settling the nervous system. The next level up is the mind. And that's where we're really cultivating awareness and insight. We're learning how to relate to our thinking. And that's where mindfulness certainly sits by and large. Then we have the heart practices. That's the next level up in the pyramid. And that's where we look to cultivate all good things. You know, we look to cultivate kindness and gratitude and awe. So each of the meditations can sit across many categories. So for example, yoga nidra 
would sit both within the foundational category of the body. So it really settles the body, but it would also sit within the, the kind of the peak uh, category, which is spirit. So manifesting and visualizing as part of yoga nidra, we create a sankalpa or an intention for our practice. So this model, I've just found it really helpful to organize um, the different meditation types or techniques. And I I often say to people, you know, just choose the meditation that works best for you. Start anywhere. Start, start where it feels um, most available to you, but please make sure you include the body. And for me as a psychologist, the temptation with mindfulness was certainly just to keep it very cognitive, very much in my head, very much about just my thinking. But the truth is mindfulness is a, is a really inclusive practice. And so we really, we have to start with the body. We have to um, really cultivate our awareness and our sense of coming home and landing in this incredible body. Okay, next question. What are some of the benefits of meditation? Well, how long is a piece of string is the answer to that one. Um, the benefits range from improved physical health, so things like reduced blood pressure and improved immune functioning, to improved mental health, so improved stress management, um, improved creativity. We've also seen some benefits in reduction of ang- symptoms of anxiety and depression. Um, and then also spiritual health, so really letting us connect with something greater than ourselves supporting us to create the life that we want. We do need to be careful, though, around the research that we read. It's a really exciting place to be working at the moment because there is a heap of new research coming out. Um, But we need to, you know, it's a new research area. And so we need to be cautious. Um, it's um, some of the sample sizes are small of the and and some of the some of the design of the studies hasn't been great historically. However, there's more and more rigor um, being placed on this research, but we need to remember that you know m- the way I see it is meditation is a non-negotiable complement or addition to whatever we're doing in the moment. It's not, it's not a replacement. So, you know, we still need to go to therapy and we still need to do our physical exercise and eat well and see our friends. But the thing is when we do all of these and we add meditation to it, we can make the whole experience, this whole process of self-care and looking after ourselves can be richer and more impactful and more conscious. We, you know, we understand why we're doing all these other things. My personal benefit of meditation is connection. It's this connection to myself and this connection to others. Being able to be aware of where my mind is and how I'm feeling at any given moment allows me to really value myself and honour myself rather than overriding my needs or my intuition for the sake of someone else or something else. And it also allows me to connect more authentically with other people. You know, I'm pretty sure I spent the first 30 years of my life rehearsing what I was going to say in a conversation rather than listening to what the other person was actually saying. And so it took me out of connection with others. Whereas now through my meditation practice, 
I understand the busyness of this this human mind and I I don't I know that I don't need to follow every thought that comes in and as a result my life is a lot richer because of this deep connection both to my own internal landscape this this place of belonging and and love and my capacity to connect with other people and see the person before me rather than the stories I have about the person before me. And this is part of the reason meditation is so helpful within any kind of interpersonal environment. So within families, within the workplace, within schools in education, it's because it can support us to actually connect human to human. And isn't that what we're all here for, really? Okay, next question. Okay, this is one I get all the time. What if I can't find time to meditate? This is a big one. You know, we all have busy lives and and how can we prioritize this, this practice um, in the face of all the things we've got, you know, work and ballet class and supermarket shopping and emails and social media and TV and relationships and going out and shopping and all the things. So I'll start answering this question with a question. So this is something I'd love for you to consider. And the question is, what kind of life do you want and who do you want to be? So what kind of life do you want and who do you want to be? If you can get really clear on that answer and then remind yourself of whatever that answer is, every time another part of you comes up with a reason not to meditate, I would suggest that would be helpful. We can always find a reason not to meditate. There's always washing to fold or dishes to do or dinner to prepare or emails to respond to or phone calls to return. And so, you know, maybe just keeping this commitment to yourself needs to start with your why. Why are you doing it? You know, it's about our identity. It's looking at who do we want to be and how do we want to show up in this life? For me, I meditate because I know it helps me to be a better human. I know I'm a more present and calm parent. Just ask my kids. And I know my relationship to myself is better and kinder and therefore my relationships with others is too. I know that I sleep better when I have a regular meditation practice so my general mood and ability to focus and pay attention is better during the day. And all of these things are important to me. You know, it gives me this steady ground to rest on when life gets out of control. I don't over-identify with stress when it comes, which it still very much does, I hate to tell you. And I don't over-identify with pain when that comes either. And that still does too, I'm afraid. It just takes, it, it takes some of the heat out of life. It, it makes everything easier to navigate so I don't get carried away by all of the constant changes in life that that come and go I can embrace the fluidity of it I guess and so that's my why and so start by finding out your why you know me telling you to do it is not enough to create a habit you need to find something that's bigger than you is it your health is it your relationship with your kids is it the the effectiveness or the the beauty and the depth in your marriage is it your performance and efficiency at work you know what calls to you and once you find that write it down and remember it 
and and remember it when you think, you know, I'm going to start my practice. I'll I'll spend five minutes, and then something else pulls you away. So nope, I'm going to come back because this is who I want to be, and this is the life I want to be living. And then we need to start small, five minutes a day. That's it. Start at five minutes or 10 minutes if you can and attach this new meditation habit onto something you already do, like having a shower or brushing your teeth or exercising. Use the if-then strategy to behavior change. So for me, my if-then strategy is if I can manage to carve out 15 or 20 minutes in the morning before the kids get to school to meditate, then I will. If I can't, then I'll do it some other time during the day. If that doesn't happen during the day, then I will do it before I go to bed. Meditation happening daily for me is a not negotiable. But within that not negotiable commitment, there is flexibility. And that's really important because things happen, things come up. And then often, you know, when we we try to cultivate a new habit, if we don't do it for a couple of days, we fall off the bandwagon and it's really hard to get back on. So it's being both um, clear, courageous, but also kind with ourselves and realistic with what we can and can't do. Okay, next question. How about mindfulness? How can I bring that into my life? Well, this is a great one. And to be honest, I guess the reason I fell in love with mindfulness is because it can be woven into all of the moments of our life. So my first tip is choose to live consciously, you know, choose something daily to anchor your attention to. It might be brushing your teeth or washing the dishes or folding the laundry or having a shower. You know, we all have to do these things. We may as well make them an opportunity to wake up and be present. And the beauty about these these. Um, menial tasks or these manual tasks is that it gives us an opportunity to observe the antics in the attic of our mind the antics in the attic of our mind so when we're doing the dishes we focus on doing the dishes and then before we know it whoop, the mind wanders it goes off to the future planning worrying or it goes to the past ruminating regretting we can notice it, we can be curious and kind by these thought patterns, these habits that have happened thousands of times a day. Did you know that on average we have around 60,000 thoughts a day and something like 90% of them are the same thoughts we had yesterday? So we're just replaying the same old stories, the same old worries. And so the informal practice of mindfulness gives us an opportunity to observe these you know what is the, what are these thoughts that are looping are they helpful for us is this where we want to invest our attention and energy or would we prefer just to let them go and you know not jump on that train of thought so my first tip is living consciously pay attention to whatever it is that you're doing and it's not just because paying attention is cool like that's cool we get some richness and depth of our life when we pay attention but it's so that we can notice the habits and the patterns of our mind. And so we don't have to be at the mercy of our crazy stories or our learned opinions or our beliefs about the world that are probably not going to be true. So it gives us choice. We get to choose how do we engage with this thinking 
which thoughts do we want to entertain and which thoughts do we want to just let pass on by? Okay, the next practical tip I have for you about how you can introduce mindfulness into your life is a really cool technique. Um, and if you've learned anything about mindfulness before, you may have come across it. I'd have no idea who developed it. It certainly wasn't me. It's called the STOP technique. And in it, STOP is an acronym. And so I'll take you through the acronym first and then I'll give you an example. S stands for STOP. You got it. Stop whatever you're doing. T stands for take a breath. One long breath, just one breath. O stands for open and observe. Look at what is actually happening. And P stands for proceed in line with your values. You know, do the next right thing. Who do you want to be in this moment? It's a wonderful circuit breaker, an awesome way for us to kind of tune back in to what's actually happening in the present moment. So I'll tell you a bit of a story that I often use in my teaching. <clears throat> uh, a few years ago, I was doing some work for the amazing organization Smiling Mind, and I was um, asked to do some PR for them, so public relations. And so the PR girl um, sent me a text message. It was 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, and I was standing in the Coles car park, hands full of groceries in my tracksuit pants, and I heard my phone ding. I put down my groceries because, of course, back then I was addicted to my phone. I'm still working on that, to be fair. <laughs> put down my groceries, picked up my phone, saw it was Soph, and she said, Liv, I have just booked you on 3AW on the radio at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Can you do it? And my whole system went into just freak out. Oh, my gosh, the radio, that's terrifying. You know, the stress response was engaged. The, the sympathetic nervous system kicked in. Adrenaline started flowing. And I thought, oh, gosh, this is, this is getting a bit overwhelming. What tools do I have? So standing there in the middle of the Coles car park, I stopped. I took a long, deep breath. I opened and observed. What is happening in the present moment? I am standing in the Coles car park. I am not on the radio. And P, I proceeded in line with my values. One of my core values is making a difference in the world. What better way to make a difference that than talk about mindfulness and meditation on the radio? So I responded to the text message, sure, that sounds great. And I loaded up my car and got in the car. I noticed that while I still felt activated, I still felt like there was adrenaline, it didn't last for too long. It lasted probably 15 or 20 minutes as opposed to the whole week leading up to the interview. So can you see how that's such a helpful little tip to just weave into our life when we feel overwhelmed or, or triggered or responding, you know, over responding or reacting, I guess, to our environment. The stop technique. Stop, take a breath, open and observe, proceed in line with your values. And my final tip, and there's more of them on my website, but my final tip is just checking in with ourselves throughout the day. 
you know, just gently checking in with ourselves in the way we would a friend, you know, asking ourselves, are you actually here in this moment? Are you sitting here or standing here? Are you present? How's your breath? How are you breathing? And how, how are you feeling? You know, what's going on? How are your emotions? How's your body? Is there any tension that you can let go of? You know, we all carry tension around mindlessly, giving ourselves the opportunity just to let that go periodically throughout the day is a real gift. You know, before I started meditating and practicing mindfulness, I used to constantly have a sore jaw. Actually, a dentist um, diagnosed me with TMJ. I can never say what the, the full um, the full word for that is. It's something. And I realized that I would clench my jaw a lot in my sleep, but also during the day. And through mindful awareness, I have been able to unclench my jaw and I just don't do it as much anymore. I still do, but I certainly don't get the joint, the jaw pain that I used to have. So three tips, living consciously, paying attention to what you're doing, using the stop technique, just periodically throughout your day, and then checking in with yourself throughout the day. And I guess the final, the final tip I'll give you about bringing mindfulness into your life is really around how we cultivate relationships with others. So next time you notice yourself in a conversation with somebody, really pay attention to what they're saying. Look at their facial expression. Look at their body language. Rather than preparing or rehearsing what we're about to say in response, which I know is part of the art of conversation, but it also takes us out of presence and just really pay attention. When you get home tonight and you say to your spouse or your dog or your houseplant, how is your day? Really listen to the response. Or if someone else asks you, give a really thoughtful response and just see how that shifts, that, that sense of, of connection. And you might even like to cultivate the attitude of a beginner's mind. So there are 10 beautiful mindfulness attitudes. You can, again, find out more about those on my website. And you might like to cultivate this beginner's mind. So, you know, connecting with this person and imagining it's the first time you've seen them. And just see what happens. See if it restores some interest and some curiosity and some richness back into your relationships. Okay, final question. Can you give us some resources and how can we contact you? Okay, so you are very welcome to go to my website. There is a whole page there of recommended books and podcasts and videos. Um, that's on the resources page. If you go to the products page, there's a couple of downloadable cheat sheets on what mindfulness is and what meditation is. Um, there's also a really fabulous um, website called mindful.org, which started in the US actually around the time I set up Live Mindfully. Um, and they are just, their website's full of all of, you know, wonderful things, links to research, practical tools, podcast episodes, just really, it's a really great, great resource as well. And then, as I said in the introduction, um, I have just written this wonderful children's book and you can purchase that. It's called You Are Loved by Liv Downing and Mel Matthews at all good bookstores in Australia and all of the big online stores um, internationally as well. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook and on LinkedIn. I'm Liv Downing.
Okay. That's it. Thank you so much for having me on my own podcast. I really hope that that's answered some of your, your questions about what mindfulness and meditation are and perhaps helped you to get to know me a little bit better. Um, I look forward over season two, bringing you more interesting guests and different pathways to cultivate this sense of connection and belonging. That is your birthright. You belong here just as much as any of us and you do not need to earn love it is already given just the fact that you are here means that you're worthy of this love and this belonging so I hope you'll join me for additional episodes and please again do rate share do all the other things that um you know that that podcasters ask you to do and also reach out and let me know what you have thought about this episode I would love to hear your feedback um email is olivia at livemindfully.com or you can contact me on the socials thanks so much take good care bye-bye